Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and this is Truth and Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld. Now, Truth and Life Today can be seen every week on backtothebible.ca, on iTunes, on YouTube, and in fact on Facebook as well. So join us every week as we talk about difficult issues of faith and Christian life. And uh, again, this week we have Dr. John Newfeld with us. Welcome, John. Thank you. Yeah. You know, we have a real interesting topic today, and, and it might sound very general, but we're going to get specific. But it's the whole issue of the Bible, yeah. but particularly what we call inerrancy, which is a, a, a word that's been defined in many different ways, I think, uh, depending upon who you are. But can you help us out? Give us a sense right from the beginning uh, of a definition of the term inerrancy. Yeah, let me uh, say that we're not saying that anybody is inerrant in the way in which they interpret the Bible. Okay. Uh, neither are we saying that the, uh, the scriptures that we have in our hand that is translated from, we have a translation, which is a good translation, but it's not what was originally written. All we're arguing for is inerrancy in the original manuscripts. When it came from the hand of Peter or when it came from the hand of Jeremiah or all the different Bible writers, that when it came from their hand on that piece of paper, it was free of all error. And when we say free of all error, we're saying everything that those writers wanted to communicate is in fact true and trustworthy. Okay. So when we talk about those writers, who are we talking about? Yeah, we're talking about, well, we start really with Moses, okay. and we're ending with John and Revelation. So we're talking about the writers of the 66 books that make up our Bible. Okay, and they were inspired writers, is that right? Is that yeah, what the, called their, their writings are inspired, okay. and so we're not arguing that the men that wrote were perfect. Yeah, okay. But we're arguing that their writings are, so that the Holy Spirit so superintended their writings so that their human personalities do show forth Okay. I mean, Jeremiah is a very emotional book. Yeah. Uh, Paul is very much of an intellectual. Uh, John is much more simple in his writing. So their personalities show through. Okay. But the Holy Spirit so superintended it so that everything that they said truly is what God wanted to communicate. And everything they say is, in fact, fully true and trustworthy. Yeah. You know, we get a lot of questions along this line about the inerrancy of Scripture and, and the history of Scripture and the... the uh, uh, the genesis of Scripture and all those types of things. And, you know, we had a conversation recently. There seems to be a lot of uh, uh, television programs, even documentaries, that uh, focus on the Bible and its truth or its fallacy or whatever the case might be. Why do you think we're going that way on television? Why, why do you think we're seeing so much being said about the Bible? I think a lot of people are not aware of how we got the Bible. Okay. Um, I remember uh, you and I were recently at a, at a pastor's seminar in another country, mm -hmm. and it was amazing to me how few pastors even understood that simple mechanism, that which was written originally. We actually don't have any original manuscripts at all. I mean, many of the New Testament documents were written on, on parchment, and, uh, and it, it, it uh, disintegrates with time. And so what you have is, you know, you've, you've got scribes, who painstakingly will uh, copy from a copy, from a copy, from a copy. And, and uh, that's in fact what we have. And that's surprising to some people. I think we should have been teaching people at the very beginning when they first became believers exactly how the Bible came to us. So what is the challenge to inerrancy? What are the things that people are challenging in respect to the uh, authenticity of God's Word? Yeah, there are some people that argue that the copies that we have do not accurately reflect the original. Okay. 
And uh, so it should be said, however, that if we come to uh, New Testament manuscripts, I mean, we're basically looking at ancient manuscript copies that we have of the original. How many of those do we actually have? And the answer is we have close to 6,000 of them. And there is no ancient document anywhere that has anywhere near that. I mean, I've got, you know, some figures like Tacitus, who is widely read by anyone who wants to study the ancient Roman Empire. We actually have three manuscripts of Tacitus. Three. We have almost 6,000 of the New Testament. I mean, you can see how well attested the New Testament is. So, So I think that's an issue. So it's, it's interesting, isn't it? We would uh, consider uh, those manuscripts of Tacitus as, as authentic, and yet the Bible with 6,000-some transcripts or manuscripts is constantly challenged. It's constantly challenged because one of the reasons it gets challenged is because people talk about variances in the manuscripts. Okay. And so they'll say, well, look at all, you know, one manuscript reads this way, the next manuscript reads the another way. So you now have television programs that seem to make much of this but they're feeding on ignorance. And the reason they're doing that is we have to ask, what is the nature of the variances? So 75%, Ben, 75% of all the variances that people talk about are in the realm of spelling differences. And so people say, well, how come somebody made a spelling mistake? Well, they didn't make a mistake because it's not until recently that we actually have the invention of a dictionary and standardized spelling. Until recently, there was no standardized spelling. One village would spell something different than the next. We never thought of that as an error, but 75% of the variances are that. Okay. You know, another group of variances have to do with, uh, with things that are untranslatable. Now, if, you know, if, if English is, is your only language, then it's harder to understand that, but in Greek, word order is not as important as it is in English. So sometimes in a sentence, the word order is mixed around. We can't translate it any different because it still means exactly the same thing. So you have the kind of variances that make no difference whatsoever. And then you have a third category of variances in which it does make a difference, but you immediately realize there was a mistake. So for instance, you know, a scribe will, will copy something and they'll have left out a small phrase that are found in every other manuscript and everyone knows intuitively who made the mistake. So it's not a problem. So we're left with only 1% of all manuscript variances that even make any difference and not one single thing that we know makes a difference in terms of an actual Bible teaching or a Bible doctrine. Not one Bible doctrine is at stake with all of these thousands of manuscripts that we have. Yeah, yeah. So if, if there's anything that we should learn, it's that the book that we hold in our hand, is that trustworthy? I can't think of something that we could hold in our hand that is better attested than what we actually have when it comes to the Bible. So it seemed like we're making a lot out of nothing almost. Uh, but there are substantial passages, uh, or not substantial passages, but important passages that there is some uh, concern about. Uh, things like Mark 12 and John 8 and types of things, of those natures. Uh, can you help me with those? Yeah, at the end of Mark's gospel in the 16th chapter, so there are a number of verses right at the end. And so most of our Bibles will now have a little line that says, you know, the, the most reliable manuscripts, in fact, there are two of them, that don't contain the ending of Mark. Can I stop you there for a second? Isn't it interesting that the translations aren't trying to hide the fact? 
No, in fact, we're trying to be as, as transparent as we possibly can. I mean, I love to compare this to Islam and that uh, Islam loves to say, we don't have these manuscript variances. That's because the third caliph, Uthman, after, after Muhammad, actually ordered that all the translations or the manuscripts be brought in to be burned so that there would only be one. Okay. We've done the exact opposite. We've put on full display everything that we have because we want people to have the assurance that they can trust what they have. So the two big ones happen to be one at the end of Mark, and the problem is the two most ancient manuscripts that we have actually miss the ending in Mark. And it ends with the word gar, which is four. You know, four they were afraid, but the word four is at the end of the sentence because that's how Greek functions. But you would never end a document with the word for. So it seems clear to me that what you've had is somewhere along the line, a page got missing and it's either been lost or it was recovered and put into other manuscripts. So there's, there's a debate about that. The other is in John's Gospel in the eighth chapter, the story of the, the woman caught in adultery. There are some manuscripts that misplace that story. So it seems to show up at different places in John's Gospel. So it seems likely to me it's an authentic Johannine story, but we're not sure exactly where to place it in John's Gospel. So we can be assured it's authentic, we're just not sure its situation is exactly right. I think it's important that we're aware of this stuff, but ought we be concerned about it? Um, I, I like to be concerned about it. Okay. So, for instance, when the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, and that's all Old Testament stuff, it all predates Christ, Um, uh, you know, you find a couple of fully intact books. One, I mean, the most famous one is the fully intact copy of Isaiah. Yeah. Uh, The other is the book of Habakkuk. Uh, But what's fascinating about these books is that they show us how remarkably reliable they were. We, We take a manuscript of Isaiah found at the Dead Sea Scrolls, and the earliest one we had up till that point in time is 1,000 years down the road. So 1,000 years of copy, 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 copy. So now we get a chance to say, okay, this one way down here, how well can we trust that one? Well, it turns out incredibly well. I mean, all of these manuscript finds are so interesting to me. And even the variants are interesting. You and I were talking about a line from Habakkuk. Mm-hmm. where it says, wine is a mocker. Well, it's a difficult line because Habakkuk is giving a prophecy against the Babylonian Empire. And why is he who's talking about all of their conquests suddenly you know, de- derating them around wine? And then you find from the Dead Sea Scrolls, it actually says, not wine, but wealth is a mocker. The two words were very close in spelling. Hmm. But if wealth is the mocker, then you can find out that the Babylonians' desire to get more money is going to mock them and betray them in the end. Yeah, yeah. But it's fascinating to me. I love to, to discover if there are any variances, let's read about them, let's hear about yeah. them, because anyone who believes in the authenticity of the Bible yeah. is most interested in these things. So far from making us question our faith, this manuscript evidence has done so much to affirm my faith, Ben. It tells me, I know with certainty, not only am I reading authentic literature, but I also know that I'm reading historic literature. I can trust my Bible. What what we're seeing on television 
is such a distorting of what's actually there. It's yeah. pseudo-intellectual. In fact, to use today's language, I'd say it's fake news. Fake news, yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting. You used to play this game when we were kids, you know, the telephone game. Yes. You'd have a, 10 kids in a row, and you would say a sentence in one ear, and it would go down the line, and you'd have something so completely distorted, and yet a thousand years between manuscripts, and we see, you know, just such specifics in respect to being this sameness. You know, it's a funny thing you mentioned the telephone game because many critics of the Bible have used that exact example to say some of the oral traditions that predate, let's say Moses, yeah. um, you know, they would have been that very thing. But what some people don't understand, even about oral tradition, is that much of oral tradition was done at a time where there's no television turning our brains into mush. Yeah. Uh, secondly, much of oral tradition was memorized and then you'd make very sure that you have verbatim memorization in the next generation. So as a matter of fact, yeah. um, you know, it's, it, the telephone game is not an adequate explanation of what we have in our Bible. By the way, Ben, so that we don't forget, we should let our listeners know two things, that we have a fragment of John's Gospel yeah. that is perhaps 20 years removed from the original. I mean, you think about that. Yeah. And now it seems that we found a fragment of Mark's gospel, which is from the first century. We've never had something from the first century. So, I mean, you know, uh, what we read about Christ in our Bible, you know, you, you get CNN now doing this whole thing about Jesus, fact, faith, and forgery, and all that stuff. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we have documents that are attested historical documents. Yeah. So as a matter of fact, we can't trust what it says. So going back to the beginning of our conversation, you talked about inerrancy, and you sort of defined inerrancy in respect to the original manuscripts. Yes. So how do we understand that in respect to the translations that we have today? What, what ought we be looking for as, as a reader of the Bible? Yeah. So if, if I can say, let us say, for instance, that the Mona Lisa was caught in a fire and it burned. Yeah. But we had a number of copies of the Mona Lisa. Not one, not two, not three, 5,000 of them. Well, we would be able to compare them and we'd say, oh, we can tell you exactly what the Mona Lisa looked like. So that's what we have. So now we have Bibles that are translated into our own language. And translations have a number of different translation philosophies. There's one translation philosophy which says, well, we ought to do a dynamic equivalence and that is to say, you know, we're doing a phrase-by-phrase -phrase translation rather than a literal word-for-word -word translation. Yeah. So you have some that are like that. They are more readable. And then you have some that try to be more word-for-word -word literal. And I like to say that if you're reading for, you know, just morning devotions, for yeah. instance. Sure. I mean, read the New Living Translation or, um, you know, there are a number of excellent uh, translations like that. I like the Holman Christian Standard Bible. I think it's an excellent devotional Bible. But I use, as you know, often in my Bible teaching, I'll use the ESV because it tries to be a, as literal a word-for-word -word translation as you can. So when you're doing detailed study of Scripture and looking at the actual wording, you want a, a Bible like that or the New American Standard Bible is excellent. Mm -hmm. And they will get you the best possible window that you can for the English speaker into the original languages. You just saying those things, it seems to me that it's important that we understand what we're reading then. Not that we're just reading the Bible, but what they're trying to do with the different translations. Yeah, that's right. And so the more that we can learn about that, the philosophy behind 
what's being translated. It's very helpful, it's very helpful. Yeah. So when we go from one translation like the ESV, which is trying to be more specific to the original yeah. language, then we go to something else. So we shouldn't make comparisons between the translations without understanding the purpose of the translation. You know, Ben, I've sometimes said something that people have misunderstood. Okay. I've said, no Bible translation is perfect. And I've heard people actually suck in their breath. <gasps> you know, he doesn't believe the Bible. Yeah. When we talk about inerrancy, we talk about inerrancy in the original manuscripts. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. So yes, uh, Bible translations, you might look at the way in which a word has been translated and you say, was that the best way to do that? Mm -hmm. yeah. But when we do that, that's because we believe in inerrancy, not because we disbelieve in it. Yeah. So yeah. Th that's what drives us on to say, has a new manuscript been found? We're all leaning forward and say, please let us see it. Yeah. We want so much to know what it looks like. Yeah. And everything that we're finding is only affirming to us yeah. that we can't trust the Word. Yeah, two, two more quick questions. One is, what is our responsibility as the individual follower of Jesus in respect to the Bible? Because we're being taught the Bible, we hear things about yeah. the Bible, but what ought our individual responsibility be? Yeah, Ben, you know, we need to read the Bible. We need to read the Bible. We need to study the Bible. Um, the wonderful thing is that there have been such wonderful scholars who have labored with manuscripts, who have studied the original languages at a length that, I mean, I have no expertise as they have expertise, and they have provided all of this for us because they have believed so much that the Word of God needs to be understandable to the common man. We live in this amazing day, Ben, when Bibles are available to us that are so readable. Yeah. And our task is to read the Bible every day. Mm -hmm. Our task is to pray every day. Our task is to come and say, Lord, help me to know how to apply this to my own life. So I always say to people, make sure you have a schedule worked in whenever that is in the day of daily Bible reading and daily prayer. And I always say to people, if you're having struggle with prayer, you know, put a timer in front of you, five minutes, be on your knees, don't get up for five minutes. You know, put a gun to your head and say, I'll shoot if you get up. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, even if your mind is wandering, stay where you are in that position for five minutes, and you're gonna find out you get better at it. Yeah. And you get increasingly better, and that five minutes will go to six and seven and longer, and you'll find that prayer becomes a joy. But unless it becomes a discipline, Bible reading and prayer, our spiritual life will lag and we will have peril for our own soul. So we must do this. It is necessary for us to do this. A great another topic down the road, spiritual discipline. Yeah, yeah. And being disciplined in our walk with Christ. One last question, should we be threatened? Is our faith at stake here? Well, um, you know, if it were to be found that our Bible is not a reliable book, of course our faith would be threatened. But everything has been going in the other direction. And again, as I've said, uh, you know, the fake news says, oh, look at this, there's, a, you know, there's an ending in Mark that's missing. It set the whole Christian world on edge. Yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, it did exactly the opposite. It strengthened our faith. Um, so we need to stop listening to those who really have an agenda and their agenda is to be as critical of the Christian faith as they possibly can. But if you're open-minded and you're simply allowing the facts to speak for themselves, it will lead to faith. There's nothing for us to hide and there's nothing for us to be ashamed of. 
Thanks so much, John, for uh, your efforts today and, and helping us understand the importance of a, of a Bible that is inerrant. And you know, you can tune in every week to Truth and Life today and uh, hear all of the questions that are sent to us uh, from our listeners and, and our viewers. And if you want to send in a question, go to backtothebible.ca. We hope you're enjoying the new Truth and Life Today show with Dr. John Newfeld. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode each week. But we want you to be involved in the show. To submit your own personal questions to Dr. John, you can email us at info at backtothebible.ca or find us on Facebook by searching Truth and Life Today.